Sorry to disappoint you So what was your expectation? Nah, I'm just an everyday dude Oh, you expected perfection? This is what Christianity is supposed to be like I make mistakes Like, lots of mistakes I'm just trying to do the best that I can do I guess I'm just imperfectly human Welcome to another week of the Imperfectly Human podcast. I am your host, Mr. Daly, and I want to thank you for rocking with me for another episode. It's been an interesting week. I say that because a lot of things have been going on in the media, but I'm not going to jump into anything specific. For me, it's about... What I found interesting is how quickly you go from chosen to cancelled. I loved that I watched a recent sermon from Elevation Church and Stephen Furtick was talking about how, you know, no one can cancel you. You can't cancel what God has chosen. And that's that's an important thing. Um, I think it's really important for people, people of faith to bear in mind that when God has chosen you, no one can cancel you. But in terms of the secular world, you go so quickly from being the elevated, highly celebrated person to the cancelled individual. Everyone in the secular space has a shelf life. Everyone in the secular space has a time limit on how much they will be adored, valued, appreciated, celebrated, whatever it may be. You go from from hero to villain in, um, in such a short period of time. And I find that to be crazy. But I'm grateful that that isn't what governs my life or you know, the life of those who believe in Christ. Um, The other things that I saw were just revelations of, you know, some well-noted people who've been in the media for a while, Trisha Goddard, um, Wendy Williams, you know, um, suffering from life-changing illnesses. Uh, So, yeah, that that was crazy as well. So... You know, my heart goes out to them. Um, I think we can't forget about people in their time of need. So, you know, prayers up for those guys. Um, It's a crazy situation. But let's get into this week's episode. It's going to be a good one. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for? It's so simple to do. Head over to your favorite streaming platform, search for the Imperfectly Human podcast and hit follow or subscribe, dependent on the platform that you are using. It would be greatly appreciated. It goes a long way in supporting the show and helps us keep creating great content for you. We're kicking this week off with a little faith in the hustle. I want to say that 
the root of this is um uh, how do i put it it's knowing what you were created to do what you were created to be but being and sometimes I, I feel a little embarrassed to say it but being afraid of stepping off the ledge and you know for me I always go back to um, a simple statement. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I've been saying this quite a lot to people. And I'm not saying it to them from a place of, you know, feeling high and mighty and as though I am someone that has this on lock. I'm saying it from a place of being an individual that struggles with obedience. Um, not because I don't want to obey, but feeling immobilized by the trauma of past experiences and the fear that those past experiences create. But one thing that I've always said to people is that um, we are, we are not our failures, and truly, a failure is not a fall is not a failure. Sorry, a fall is not a failure unless you refuse to get back up. But sometimes you might get back up, and you want to move, and your feet. Don't move. No matter how hard you try, you can't will your feet into moving. Something feels like it's holding you back. Something feels like it's holding you bound. And that's that fear. And there was um there there was an acronym that was created for fear, which was false evidence appearing real. And for me, what it what it started to when I start to think about that, I, I always have to remind myself that what the naysayers say about me is not my truth. What the um, credit reference agencies might say about me is not my truth. What my um, former business partners may think about me or say about me is not my truth. Uh, sometimes what I believe and say about myself is not my truth. What, um, because we've got to learn to declare God's truth over ourselves. Um, that's why I say sometimes what we say about, um, what we say about ourselves is not our, is not the truth. So, but yeah, um, what people around us might say, people might tell us, you can't do this. People might turn around and say to us, nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. But if you believe that you've been led to do something, if you believe you've been called out and set apart to do something, um, 
that's in your personal life, that's in business, um, in ministry. If you believe that God has called you to do this thing, then rather than staying where you are and um, bringing all sorts of tithes and offerings to God from a place where he has told you that you should not be, you are better to just be obedient and get into the place that he has called you to be. Does that make sense? Rather than staying where you are comfortable, rather than doing what you are comfortable doing, rather than sticking to what you know, and then offering God a sacrifice from your place of comfort, from the path that you have decided for yourself. It is better to be obedient and to follow um, to follow as God has instructed. The see the thing is, and I'm sure we touched on this uh, a while back, and I, I will get into how this all relates. So, obviously, I'm in business. I. I've been in business for a number of years now, um, but I know that God is leading me away from what I do today into something else. I'm not going to sit here and start disclosing all of that stuff because it's not ready to be disclosed. There's a um, there's a process to go through, and sometimes God wants you to, again, understand that process. Don't start talking about something or revealing something until he is ready for you to reveal it. Um, but I do know that God is calling me out to do something else, but my fear and my, you know, my previous experiences, um, all the things that I've been through in the business world, whenever I've, you know, when I've tried to start certain other ventures, you know, I, I get ideas and I'm just like, boom, I'm doing it. They haven't panned out. I've had some major challenges. And all of that has uh, left me a little, a little bit traumatized. I'm not going to lie. So now when God is saying to me, um, I want you to do this. I'm like, hey, God, we're, we're in a good space right now. I'm like, I mean, this business isn't isn't amazing. It's not it's not groundbreaking, but hey, I'm doing good. The family's doing good. We eating good. We're paying the bills. We can do the things that we want to do. Um, it's safe. Why do you want me to leave somewhere that is safe? I don't want to leave somewhere that is safe. That is how my heart feels. 
And even in doing that, there's an element of me, um, there's an element of me that is saying, okay, God, I'll step out, but how about I do it this way? You know, I'm trying to dictate to God how I step into this new space that he's calling me. I'm trying to put the... I'm trying to put the wrapper around it. I'm trying to frame the conversation. I'm trying to frame my direction and the instructions. I'm, I've been given a destination and, and I'm just like, oh, like okay, God, I, I hear that you tell me to go there. Um, how about I do this before I go there? And that's not, that's not what God is asking for me. He's just saying, go to where I've instructed you. Sort of like what he said to Jonah. Um, and Jonah took a detour. Jonah went somewhere else. Jonah hopped on a boat and went in the opposite direction. Um, you know, that's kind of what I feel like I'm doing at the moment. It's, it's something that I believe relates to um relates to what the bible says in the book of jeremiah so there's there's a scripture in jeremiah jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can understand it and you may be wondering why why I've picked that scripture and said that this relates to that. And especially when I'm thinking about business. It's not that I'm saying that um, my heart seeks to do something that is displeasing to God. Well, um, well, disobedience is displeasing. So I guess I guess that's a, that statement is now void. But um it's not like I'm, my heart is seeking to harm people. That's, that's probably a better way of phrasing it. My heart is not seeking to do something wicked to people. But just in the way that I've just described that, disobedience is displeasing to God. And therefore, disobedience is considered wickedness. Um, but what I... When it comes, you know, in the context of business, it's that disobedience and that fear holding me back and stopping me from going after what I've been told to go after especially because what I've been told to go after aligns with who he created me to be and I think I've said it on here before that I understand my purpose now and that I was created to help people I was created to support to be a catalyst for people for a catalyst for change for people to teach to share and impart knowledge and but all, but at the heart of it i was created to help people so when i am not doing that when i am running from that then 
I'm not doing what I was created to do. When I'm running from, from a business that leads me and pushes me in that direction, I'm running away from what I was called to do. I'm running away from who I was created to be. Or I'm afraid to step into who I was created to be and I don't want to do that. So another version of that scripture says, um, so the King James Version actually says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Um, I think that's a better way. It's our hearts are deceitful. Um, I think when we dig into, um, what's it? I think the word is pronounced, it's the, the, the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is, <laughs> wow, the Hebrew word is Akobe. I think a Kobe and um, it says, uh, you know, I, I'll actually, I should really check the pronunciation. Don't anyone that, that actually under speaks Hebrew, if I've pronounced that wrong, forgive me because I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but um, it basically means that 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 word that's translated as deceitful actually can be translated as sly, insidious, slippery, um, and that's that's the that's the heart of it. It's it's our hearts will lead us in a path that is comfortable. That's what I'm getting at. Our hearts will lead us down a path that is comfortable. So when I say obedience is sacrifice is, is better than sacrifice, I'm re I remember, um, as I say, I'm doing the Bible in the year. I've been going through, I'm, I'm up to Samuel. We're talking about um, the, the life and times of King Saul, King David. And we're at a point in this where Saul has been made king over Israel um, and Saul is feeling himself. Now, whilst the people called for a king, God found, a, found people that he believed will have a heart after him. And Saul initially did. He was obedient. He obeyed the instructions of God. But God sends Saul to... After, after a period of reigning for quite a while, um, God sends Saul to destroy um, a certain group of people. I can't remember whether it was, I think it was the Amalekites. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Nah, I can't remember. Um, but he sends and he says, destroy the people, every living thing. There. Do not take anything or keep anything. Destroy burn everything, destroy the cattle, grain, all of that stuff. But what Saul did was, rather than doing that, he killed all the people but spared the king. And then him and his soldiers kept the choice garments and gold and silver and the choice cattle, and he kept them for him. they kept them for themselves. 
um, rather than destroying them like God instructed, instructed them to. So when Samuel came, Samuel was like, what have you, why have you done this wicked thing? And he's like, what are you talking about? I haven't done anything wicked. Uh, you know, yeah, I know God told me to destroy everything. I did. But then I kept all this stuff that looked good, that was in good condition. And we're now going to sacrifice, you know, these animals to God. We're going to sacrifice them. And it's interesting. Rather than Saul no longer referred to the Lord as his God. He, would, he, he was speaking to, he was like speaking to Samuel saying, we're going to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God. Um, and that's an interesting thing for me that Saul suddenly started to, it was like he was distancing himself from God rather than coming closer to God after all these years of being God's chosen king, he seemed to be moving further away from God. Because if you were becoming closer to God, if you were becoming a man after God's heart, you would say, I'm going to sacrifice these things to the Lord my God. You know, you would claim ownership of God. But he doesn't. He, he says to Samuel, the Lord your God. And Samuel responds, so this was uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23. And Samuel rep- responds to him by saying, it says, But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering a fat, the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as, as king. And it got me thinking that I know that I'm being called to step out and to do this thing. But yet, year after year, you know, I start, actually, to be fair, I did, we did. As a family, we started this. Um, and then when we moved regions, moved locations, we put, you know, and other things, it ended. And I'm feeling, you know, I know that God has called us to do it. So we're, we're restarting it. But, um, yeah, the past experiences have made me just want to stay where I'm safe and comfortable. I know, I know, I know how much money I'm making. I know all of this stuff. I, I feel I can manage my life with that. But God wants me to to step out into a place that is unknown. If I'm honest, if I stop what I do now and just step out again, I'm like, well, what about the bills? What about a mortgage? What about a car payment? Um, and that's the that's the fear. But the thing is, God has already He knows our end before we before our beginning, and He has made provision for those who love Him, for those who are obedient to Him, for those who are willing to say, "I can't, I can't see." the next step but I'm going to step out anyway 
You know, it says, with faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And if you imagine how small a, muff, a mustard seed is. And it's funny because we, as human beings, we so, um, we're so quick to put the gospel into our personal lives. But we struggle to integrate the gospel into our business lives. The thing is, Christianity and our faith does not, is not separated into boxes. We don't go through life and, and have, well, I'm a Christian in my personal life, but I'm not Christian in business. God has called us to live out our faith with fear and trembling in every part of our lives. When we talked about this in the previous podcast, I said that, you know, seek first, desire the, the, the divine reign, the divine power, the holy rule of God in every area of, of your life, and he will add all, all things onto you. See, the thing is, sometimes when I'm speaking these things on these on this podcast, I'm listen, I'm I'm not just speaking to you guys i'm speaking to myself i'm reminding myself and encouraging myself the thing is you've got to minister to yourself as well because i'm not immune as i've i've clearly laid out in this episode i'm not immune to fear i'm not immune to doubt i'm not immune to um a lack of faith But that's what the scripture is here for, to remind us in our times of weakness, in our times of doubt, that God is there. God is, has left us a template, a blueprint, examples of people who have been obedient and stepped out. So I'm questioning myself, do I have the faith to step off the ledge? The fact is, I, I do have the faith but I have to act on the faith. Faith without works is dead. That's what the scripture says. The scripture says, faith without works is dead. Um, I'll confirm exactly where that is. Um, it's, I was going to say that as well. Man, I should have just said it. Um, James. It's in the book of James. <laughs> I couldn't remember where it was, but I was, I was double checking. But um, I should have just said it because it, it was right there. So it's in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, if it have not works. Man, that is one complicated way to read it. Um, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Bear with me a second because um, I'm not I'm not a fan of, um, you know, actually, it's not that I'm not a fan. There, I feel like there's a there's a time and a place for, for the King James. And sometimes uh, it's not it's not every day that I want to read the King James because, yeah, it can be. The wording sometimes is just not friendly. 
Um, so in the New Living Translation, it says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Um, so you have to put action behind your faith. You have to. It's a it's a prerequisite. Um, or it's, it's not prerequisite. It goes hand in hand. It's not. It goes hand in hand. You need faith, and then you step out by faith, and you put works to it. So, I think the you know, ultimately, you just have to take action. I can't be. And this is the best way to put it. I can't be all talk and no game. I can't be all talk and no action. I, can, I can't say faith, 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 faith and not have any action behind it. And whilst I haven't specifically talked about um, a... I haven't specifically talked about, you know, a challenge in business. I'm talking about a challenge in your business life. Sometimes God will give you direction and which way you should and tell you which way you should go. But then the fear creeps in and the doubt creeps in. And rather than being obedient, we want to do things our own way. And we say, don't worry, God, I will give you the first fruits of what you have called me, of of what, of my business and what I'm doing. But if it's the first fruits born out of disobedience, it's a foul aroma to God. It's a stench. It's not pleasing. As it says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Stubbornness is just as bad as idol worship. Um, The other part that, that hit me this week was that when I feel, you know, it's that double minded nature. And I, I've said it so. I'm in a good space in what I do today. But I know that there is a reason God is calling me out of what I do today. I can already see the environment changing in what I do today. And I can already feel the battles coming in what I do today. So I know that it's God leading me from... What is going to be a turbulent road into, I guess, a land of milk and honey, as they say. But the problem with our fear is our fear creates a situation where we become double minded. Because... I start looking like, well, what if I take what I do today and I just reframe it? How about that, God? I won't keep doing what I do today. I'll just reframe it, do it a bit differently. I can still help people. 
you know, I'll help people, um, but in what I do today. But that's not what I'm being called to do. Put simple. I know what I'm being called to do. But I want to try and stay close to what I do today. And it's funny. Um, I was at the sink washing up and the scripture just kept coming back. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is un- is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It kept replaying in my head. And then um, later, my wife came downstairs and we were talking. And she said something to me. And it was just along that whole... It was just along that whole path. Because she said, you keep saying these things about maybe reframing what you do but she said but either way you're starting at the same place for both they will both be new businesses whilst you have you know all these all these years of experience in that field you are still starting a new venture that is completely different To a certain extent. And therefore your audience. And customer base is different. And you are still starting. From scratch. But the place that God is asking. And telling you to go to. You are also starting from scratch. But. That path has been. Laid before you for a reason. And it started to make me think well. How can I want to walk down the path where that hasn't been prepared for me in favor of a path that has been prepared for me? So that double-mindedness is just, again, fear, false evidence appearing real. And um, just the scripture. So again, we're, 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 we're really in the book of James today. Uh, but James 1 2 to 8 it says dear brothers and sisters when trouble of any kind comes your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed you will be perfect and complete needing nothing if you need wisdom ask our generous god and he will give it to you he will not rebuke you for asking But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. So. I can either. Put my faith in myself, which is what staying in the field that I believe I've built up all this experience and all of this blah, 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 blah. Um, I can either stay there and put my faith and my trust in myself. Or I can put my faith in the God who sustains and provides for me 
and go down the path that he has called me to go. That simple. You know, and after sitting back and thinking about it logically, of course I know which way I'm going. But it's still scary. But nothing... I was saying this to my brother earlier in the week. We were talking um, about my my nephew and my nieces going skiing and all of that stuff because they ski. I, I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm, I don't do that. Um, but I said to my to my nephew, it's important that you learn to do something every week. Do one thing that scares you every week. That way you start to overcome fear. You start to have power over fear and you you stop doubting everything. Learn to do the things that scare you. Um, I had this analogy. It was like where we are sometimes in life, especially, in, you know, in, in, in these sorts of situations, you feel, especially when you've been through the things that I've been through as well, you feel like you've just overcome all your obstacles and you're getting ready for a period of peace and then suddenly a new wave hits you. And I likened it to a hip workout where you have um, a 15-second low-intensity in, low interval and sort of like maybe a minute of high intensity every minute it just feels like the high intensity intervals just keep coming thick and fast thick and fast boom 15 seconds gone that's it low intensity is over boom you're back into high intensity but just like the scripture says consider it an opportunity for your endurance to grow. So let your endurance grow. Because when it's fully developed. You will be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. And that's the same thing. And this when, it, when you're in a hit workout. With such short low intensity periods. What you find after. Three, four, five, six workouts. Suddenly your endurance. Is at a different level. Those 15 seconds don't feel, and when you first do it, the 15 seconds feel like one second. Then after a few workouts, 15 seconds may feel like five seconds. Then after a little bit, you keep going and suddenly 15 seconds feels like 15 seconds. You keep going and suddenly 15 seconds feels like you've been recovering for 30 seconds. Keep going. 15 seconds starts to feel like you've been recovering for one minute. Your endurance just keeps growing. You keep getting stronger. You keep, you're you able to last longer and longer and longer. That is what God is trying to work out in us. Sometimes when these challenges keep coming our way. It's not because God isn't protecting us. It's not because God isn't watching over us. It's not because God isn't standing in our corner shouting at us to keep going, to keep fighting, to keep pushing, to duck, to dive, to switch. No, God is there. And he's saying, keep going. 
keep going. You're getting stronger. Keep going. You'll last longer. Keep going. You can make it. Keep going. You can do it. He's encouraging us and helping us to build that endurance. The scripture says that, you know, the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, but to those who can endure until the end. So build your endurance. Allow these things that push your faith to build your endurance that you may last in the race up until the end. And that's in personal life. That's in business. So we've been talking about manhood. And not in uh, the way that you might be thinking. Get your minds out of the gutter. Um, but no, we've been talking about what it means to be a man. Um, and one of the things, as I've been saying, one of the things that I was created to do is to help people. And... Like I, I say, it's not just therapy for you, it's therapy for me. Um, I will always frame this from a biblical perspective and give you a biblical view. I'm not trying to be politically correct, I'm trying to be biblically correct. So if you're not here for that, please leave. The door is that way. With that said, let's jump into it. We will continue our, top, our com- topic of conversation around what it means to be a man, a biblical founded sound individual a biblical a man that is founded on the biblical principles in this day and age what challenges do we face so today we want to talk about i'm going to talk about challenges men face in achieving work-life balance (laughs) work-life integration see here's a simple statement The modern workforce demands increased time and commitment, often resulting in challenges for fathers to balance work and family life. Pressures to provide financial security may hinder the ability to prioritize fatherhood and spend quality time with children. I will extend that to spend quality time with children and with your wife. Um... And that's true. I've always said that the, my biggest obstacle, my biggest struggle has always been the demands of my work life. Um, I throw back to a time when my firstborn child was born. I was working at Barclays at the time. And I've said this I'm sure I've said this before, but I would leave home at about half past five, quarter to six in the morning to be in the office for seven. I would leave the office around half seven and get home at nine. I would spend a little bit of time, you know, I'd have some food Um, sit down for a bit with my wife and my baby and I can't tell you the number of times but a lot of times I would then get a text message get a call or something asking me to do some a little bit of work 
and it was needed for the morning and I would do it and I would find myself going to bed you know walking away from my family to go and open my laptop and to go and do stuff and then uh find myself going to bed when they have they're already asleep my my daughter's asleep my wife has fallen asleep because she's had a hectic day of looking after um baby and you know taking care of the home and all of that stuff and i i was i was missing out on quality time with them and this was my life for at least at least the best part of 18 months i reckon where i felt like i kept doing that same cycle and part of it is you know i'm going to again i will speak from the perspective of a black man most black men and black women to be fair will tell you that when you enter into the corporate world into the corporate space you feel because you look around and there are not many people that look like you in that space you already feel like all eyes are on you you already feel like you have to exceed expectations you already feel like you have to go above and beyond what everyone else is doing and growing up i'd always been taught that i'd have to work two three times harder than my white counterparts to get half the recognition so it instilled this work ethic in me that was ridiculous i would work like a crazy person because i wanted to prove myself I wanted to prove that I was capable I wanted to prove you know it wasn't even like I was doing it for myself I was seeking validation from all these insignificant people in this workplace because in the grand scheme of things they're insignificant they they hold no they play no part in my destiny they play no part in determining my self-worth my value or anything like that but I place so much emphasis in being validated by them at this time that i was working a ridiculous amount of time i was working extremely hard and i know that there are many black people that face this especially fathers so with that said when you then get phone calls saying hey you need to do this that mode kicks in and you go yeah okay I'll do it and you want to do it and you 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 just end up working and working and working and that's part of that's part of the challenge you see a lot of times people focus on the work life balance that women struggle to find but men struggle to find um work work life balance as well I'm not downplaying the challenges women face because lord knows that women suffer some ridiculous discrimination all for trying to be a mother all for trying to be a good wife a good mom or whatever they 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 are seen as or they are treated as though they are not committed to to their work 
I knew a woman when I joined Experian. I'm not going to talk about. Um, I'm not going to mention her name, but um, she'd been on maternity leave. She'd come back, and you know, this was the. I just joined the company um, as a consultant, and we were working together. And she was like, "I should be a lot further." You know, I was on track to be in a leadership role, but I'm never going to see that now because I became a mum. And to hear that, I felt so bad for her. And I understood it. I immediately understood it. Because as a mum, suddenly you have to prioritize your child over work that's that's the reality of it your child comes first it's a mother's instinct and coincidentally the the woman that that took the role that went into leadership she eventually became a mum and she had to leave Experian and she went elsewhere and took a role that was a step down. And I believe she did that because that was the only way of achieving work-life balance. So what does that say about the corporate world and, and how it views family? But I say all of that to say this. The inverse is what applies to men. You see, it's... A mother's, the the maternal instinct kicks in and you prioritise and women are immediately expected to prioritise their children over work. And they suffer for it. It's the right thing to do, 100%. Prioritise your child over work, 100%. Um, and it's the right thing to do, but they are penalised for it. Now, as a father... You should also prioritize your child and your family, your, your, your wife, your children, your home over work. But you're not expected to. You are expected as men to prioritize your work over your family. And you are penalized when you do not behave in that way. See, society expects men to choose career over their personal lives. And any man, any man that um, chooses to go the other route is immediately faced with a sense of guilt or treated as though they are inadequate. They are made to feel bad for wanting balance. They are made to feel bad for wanting to have some semblance of a life outside of the corporate world or, you know, whatever their working world is. But the reality is that that is our first call. Our first job is as husbands and fathers. Our work outside the home comes second to our work inside the home. But society has flipped that. You know, if you as a man... 
seek any level of flexible arrangement, reduced hours for any reason, it's a mark against your career. You're seen as the guy that is not ambitious. I've already talked about ambition anyway. I've talked about ambition, the dangers of ambition and its links to idolatry. But anyway, that's something. Go back and listen to that episode. Um, But you're you're seen as not being committed or ambitious. um, And you become... A pariah in the workplace. Nobody wants to work with you. Nobody wants you on their project. Nobody wants you know to be associated with you because you're you're now deemed as that guy that's not committed. Even if you were still churning out results that are better than everyone else in your team, you were deemed as the person that isn't committed. On top of that, and I will I will put this to um, I will give you a personal example. Parental leave is not set up to facilitate fathers in achieving work life balance. As a man, we got. Two weeks paternity leave. And if you were self-employed. You got. um, You could apply for. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But basically you could apply for some relief. um, Like it was like tax exemption. Or something on that standard. um, Statutory paternity pay. And blah blah blah. Uh, Yeah yeah, you could also apply for statutory paternity pay um but it was so basic it could it wouldn't cover anything you couldn't you couldn't cover you couldn't pay no bills with that um so most men unless you know most men would either take annual leave so if you're self-employed you just carry on working i did i i will say that with every single child i've i've got four children I had no choice but to carry on working after my children. Like, literally, I would have maybe a couple of days off and then I was back at work because bills needed to be paid. Mortgage needs to be paid. Um, Stuff needs to be taken care of. There is no, there's nothing in place that allows men to take a decent amount of Um, paternity leave and if something happens and you need to leave to 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 go and help your family again you're forced to either take it as um take it out of your annual leave allowance or take it as unpaid leave so men then struggle to to find any kind of you know men don't desire to to do that because a lot most men are looking at the uh, always trying to balance the books like if i do this what impact does it have on the family what does it have what impact does it have on um our ability to meet the bills and all of that kind of stuff so most men won't seek to do any of that they will just keep keep working 
Um, to top it off, we've got a culture that focuses or emphasizes long hours. I, I won't say that we are the nation that where that works the longest hours. I believe we are in the in Europe actually. I think in um Okay, so I believe we are eleventh globally for work life balance. Um we've got a culture of long hours and presenteeism and presenteeism is defined as being in the office physically present even when it's unnecessary so most places in the UK love the guys that work long hours like I said I worked on I was in the office on average 12 hours 12 12 and a half hours much longer than what I was expected to be um and now that we've you know we're moving to this world where it's people can work from home there's more flexibility or we did move to a world where there was more flexibility but how quickly are we shifting back especially in the UK how quickly are we shifting back to that culture that wants to see you physically in the office not to say that your output has changed not to say that your what what i actually found is that working from home you put more hours in you're online for longer um because you don't have the commute so when you would have been getting up to to commute you get up you go downstairs you make a coffee whatever and you log in and you start work so you tend to be online for longer you tend to skip lunch because hey i'm at home so i can eat whenever so you work through your lunch and you you just carry on working um you don't get up from your desk um i know people that panic if microsoft teams shows them as a way because they see it as they see they believe that it'd be taken as them not being present so even though they're working from home that idea of presenteeism still controls them nobody is focused on the actual output people are focused on whether you are there or not whether they can see you around they don't care about what you're doing they just care about seeing you around and that's that's completely doesn't make doesn't even make any sense um so that those things those long hours the presenteeism lead to this inability to disconnect from work outside of our working hours we struggle to disconnect from work then to top it off um there is a lack of support for men who are caregivers so the reality of of this life is that someone's life can change in an instant you could have elderly parents that suddenly need your help 
you could have a child that has needs and therefore needs you to be around a lot more. You could have a breakup in a marital home resulting in one parent, sometimes the father being the primary caregiver. You could have a bereavement and or someone being widowed or becoming the widower, the widower, uh, is that right? Uh, yeah, um, but anyway, someone losing their spouse and suddenly they are the primary che- caregiver. And a lot of men who are in this position don't feel supported and I I, I can probably, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't believe that there were, there were not enough resources out there for caregivers in general, point blank. Now imagine those, that situation for men where they already expected to put, prioritize their career over family and, and care. They are expected to work long hours and all of that stuff. And then there's no support for them. So again, they would just struggle. They would just try to work through it and push through it. And they will, it will be under that guise of, well, I'm a man and that's what men are supposed to do. And the reality of it is that you're a human being and human beings are fragile and you will break. Everybody requires help and support at some point. But there is nothing in place to provide this for men. There are unwritten rules and gender bias. And we talked about gender roles. I don't care for gender roles and all of that stuff. Um, Whatever. And people can... People can cancel me or whatever for for those views go back and listen to that that um episode because i think we've created this world where people use gender as a means of they weaponize gender and they use it for certain agendas um the reality of it is that uh both parents are called to provide care for children um, a marriage is a union and a partnership. And in a partnership, you distribute roles based on each other's abilities and gifts. So I don't, whilst I don't, I don't care for, um, you know, I, I'm not here for like telling people how to distribute roles in their relationships. But I'm also not here for people weaponizing the concept of gender equality and gender this and that to or weaponizing gender to to suit their agenda um do i believe the reason so and i know i'm visit revisiting old ground here but um when i said that i don't i believe that gender equality is redundant um i say it from a point of view that stop let's stop using gender as a reason 
to segregate human beings and and people will be like well then you're fighting for gender equality no i'm fighting for equality as human beings because gender is not the only thing that is used to discriminate against people gender is just one of the things um we discriminate against we you know there's racial discrimination there's social and social class discrimination there's there's so many factors that are used to discriminate against people but we're we're hell-bent on focusing on 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 little you know on, on little things at the end of the day when we start to value human beings when we start to value human beings then we move towards a world where equality is possible and under, and um is understood and accepted that's that's all i'm going to say on that anyway anyway back to what i was saying so gender um gender bias and we've talked about this you know we men are expected to prioritize work over family so any man that prioritizes fam prioritizes family over work will be a, 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 the workplace pariah he you will be ostracized you will be pushed and your um you you'll be pushed into a corner your opportunities will disappear um you will be overlooked um you will be ridiculed you would you will be picked on and sometimes bullied in the workplace for seeking flexibility anything and it's so sometimes it can be so subtle um in the way that it's played and positioned um some people will play it off as though it's a joke but all these things are done and said to discourage you from seeking that flexibility and it works it works because men are afraid of nobody wants to be ostracized no one wants to see their um no one wants to lose their income no one wants to be in a position where they can't provide for the family that they're trying to be flexible for simple um so how do we allow this as men so one one of the things that um One of our issues as men is is this inability to set boundaries. And it's not just a man thing, but as men, we have to define clear boundaries. Your work and personal life need to sit on opposite sides of a line. And you have to be able to shut the door on anything that tries to creep over that line into your personal life from your work life. Um, there was a point where I had two separate phones, one for work and one for my personal life. And outside of work, my, you know, I would turn off my work phone. And if you, at that point, you can't get hold of me. And uh, to be fair, I, I feel like I'm, I need to do the, do that again just so that I can have that separation 
um, learning to just turn off your devices and detach from your devices. Uh, I think we were in a better place when everyone had desktops at work and we didn't have laptops to take home with us. But we all work from home now. So one of the things I do is I leave my laptop in the office, uh, in my home office. I don't ever take it out. Um, that way I have to go into my working space to go and access it. Um, by the time I'm doing that, I realize that, hey, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm not supposed to be working. Um, I'm not trying to go and work on the weekend. I'm not trying to um, disrupt what I'm doing with my family and, you know, get caught up in work and, and steal time from them. That's, that's not on the cards. That's not on the agenda. It's not happening. That's not part of my plan. So by having my devices, my work devices in a separate room, um, in a dedicated room, I can shut that off. I don't, I try not to go into my office um, outside of working hours. Simple. Um, that way it creates that separation. It's so important to get to create that separation. Um, another thing is that men tend to neglect self-care. And that's in, you know, a lot of men. So men are good at looking after their physical bodies. Um, a lot of men go to the gym. There are a significant proportion that don't, but most men will have some level of physical exercise in their routine. Some cycle, some run, the majority go to the gym. Some play sports, a lot of men play football, some play rugby, some play basketball. Men tend to have these, we, we use these as stress relief. Um, we use these as avenues for releasing pent-up frustration and energy. But men tend to neglect their emotional and mental self-care and we've talked about this we've talked about the problems and the societal expectations of stoicism in men we've talked about emotional suppression and how that leads to mental health issues it actually actually also leads to physical health issues because you disrupt your body's chemical flow um, negative emotions can generate toxins in the body. I can't remember, but I need to, I will come back with the information. I can't remember where I read it, but anyway, there was something I was reading that was talking about how negative emotions can, can generate neurotoxins and those neurotoxins flu, flow through the body and, um, can impact our health. Um, it's funny, if we don't understand, if we don't take care of our mental, our physical suffers, if we don't take care of our physical, our mental suffers, um, having poor work-life balance is a challenge to both your physical and mental health. So overall, you're cutting your life short. 
It's so important to know how to switch off. It's so important to discipline yourself in switching off and really enforcing a self-care program. Find your avenues for releasing your mental stress as well as your physical stress. And... um, there are a few organizations that you can reach out to in terms of, um, you know, mental health. Um, one of them is Mind. If I'm sure if you go to, I believe it's mind.co.uk. But if you go to that website, I'm sure there are links to other programs. And simply, um, you can, there is a lot, there are resources out there. You can Google st- um, some resources as well. Um Another thing is a fear of judgment. I think as men, our egos can be so fragile. Like I said, when I was younger, I was so dependent on that validation from these insignificant people. I wanted to please my bosses. I wanted to please my team. I wanted to make everyone else around me so happy at work that I didn't even think about myself and my the balance that was needed and I was neglecting my family and my family were unhappy but the people at work were happy the thing is we we fear the judgment we fear the perception of being less committed than everyone else um as black men we fear the judgment of being considered incapable or inadequate to be in the role that we're in. Sometimes we are made to feel as though our presence in the corporate world is a privilege and we have to continue to earn and demonstrate Gratitude for that privilege. We have microaggressions that make us feel that we don't have a right to be in the corporate world. But goes back to something I said at the beginning. Don't believe the lies that you are being told about yourself. Don't believe the lies that you are telling yourself about yourself. Believe the truth that God has spoken over you. That you are more than a conqueror. That you shall possess the land that you walk upon. That you are blessed and highly favoured. That you are a royal priesthood. A chosen generation. The thing is, if God has put his hand upon you, no one can tell you who or what you are. No one can tell you 
what you do because the the bible says that you will be blessed in your coming and in your going so no one can curse what god has blessed if you start to understand these things about you about yourself about the god that you serve and what he has declared over you you start to realize that it doesn't matter what people say about you or what people try to label you as because the person who created you and marked you for a purpose has already defined, declared, started and finished everything to do with who you are. So you can walk in confidence and be the husband and father that he has called you to be because no one can separate you from that. You can work and thrive in your career whilst balancing the husband and father that you were called to be because no one can stop you from that because he has blessed you. Therefore, no one can curse you. He has called you out and set you apart. Um, Some interesting statistics. In the UK, we clock up an extra 22 working days a year on average. And it's interesting because actually it seems like women tend to work more overtime than men. And I think, again, that goes back to what we were saying about the, the, the pressures on, on women and women having, you know, been so unfairly treated in, in that regard when it comes to um, the expectations when it comes, as a mother. Women have to put in so much extra work. And and that's part of my issue where, where I say forget gender equality. It's about hu- it's about human beings. It's not right that we make people feel the way that they do and that they push themselves to the brink of destruction just to be recognized. Um as I said before, in the UK, we stand 11th in terms of work-life balance. That's way behind our European counterparts. Um, the lack of parental leave. So I know in recent times they've changed the law where men, where you can split that maternity leave that was kind of exclusively women's um you can um you can split it now between the both the 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 father and the mother um but the uptake amongst men is actually quite low um it says that only about eight percent of men take more than two weeks well, I know my reasons for why I don't. I didn't take more than two weeks. Um, 
43% of men feel pressure to be physically at work even when it's unnecessary. Uh, a study found that 31% of UK employees feel they lack good work-life balance. Um, with 50% of millennial fathers looking for jobs that will give them better work-life balance. 88% of UK employees reported experiencing burnout in the past two years with stress impacting productivity and their overall well-being. Um, it said that men in the UK have higher rates of suicide than women um, and there are potential links between work stress and mental health. So that I think <laughs> I don't even know why it's potential. I think it, it's it's clear that a large proportion of men's stress come from the amount of pressure that's put on them at work. But it's interesting. It is interesting. So just going to compare some U, the, the UK with the US for a second. So in the US, it found, they found that um, 44% of men are dissatisfied with their work-life balance compared to 40% of women. Um, 73% of men were reporting feeling significant stress in the past month. So at the time of um, finding this information. Um, flexible work arrangements. Only 29% of men use flexi flexible work arrangements compared to 42% of women. So we definitely have some, you know, there are similarities across the globe, you know, across the pond. I can't say across the globe, across the pond um, in, in these challenges. Um, just, I'm going to throw out some scriptures just to encourage some people that are trying to find a biblical viewpoint on establishing some sort of work-life balance. Exodus 28, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living amongst you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Have at least one day off. <laughs> um, and, you know, some people may read this. And think, well, that's encouraging me to... to not to have balance, but 
I'll spin the context. Let so Proverbs twelve eleven. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. In your, there is no question that a lot of people are hard workers, and you can be a hard worker in your allotted time. It's about working smarter. It's about maximizing the use of your time. But be disciplined in the use of that time. Be disciplined in the allocation of that time. Be disciplined to ensure that you separate your personal life from your working life. A person who, you know, when we say a person is chasing fantasies, um, some people have some outlandish ideas, outlandish schemes, and some of the drivers for some people's, for the for the reason why some people work that they do, are outlandish. And sometimes people chase these dreams and these fantasies for so long, and bear no fruit, and miss out on a whole bunch of life. That they could have experienced with their families. And in the end have nothing to show for it. And um, so yeah. that's Don't chase wild dreams. Anyway. um, Matthew 6. 25 to 34. My favorite. We've covered this so many times. But um, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And that's just a reminder to say, live in a moment. Live in a moment, focus on the things that God has called you to do. And one of those is to be present as a father, be present as a husband. It says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Be present. Um, Matthew 6, 19, 21. Don't, do, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Um, 
Luke 12, 15, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Going on a bit further in Luke 12, 33 to 34. Sow your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the, pure, and the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Um, Timothy 1, 6, 9 to... Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 10. Uh, but people who long to be rich fall into, the t- into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And people, some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sor- sorrows. And last but not least, Luke twelve sixteen, 12, Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. Then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough, you have Enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but have no rich relationship with God. Ultimately, I believe the scriptures teach us that first and foremost, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the divine rule of God. Seek first God's purpose and desires for you and your life. That includes your home and your work-life balance. If you're too busy chasing after work, storing up earthly treasures, you miss God's calling in your home and your first ministry is your home. I started to work for myself because I needed balance. I needed to be present. I saw the challenges. I saw the obstacles. I saw the problems. I saw how chasing after if I'd stayed as, you know, I'm not, and I'm not, inc- I'm not telling everyone to go out there and just start working for themselves. I'm, I'm giving an example of why I did it for myself. But I realized that I was always going to be chasing the, the validation of the higher ups. Because I wanted to, because I wanted a seat at the table. Because I wanted to be seen as being capable and worthy to be in this so-called place that I've been privileged to be in. But now I understand that it was my God-given right because God put me where I am. But God took me through a journey of working for myself to get there. And I'm still going through a journey. I'm still learning. 
because I have a tendency to to just work, 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 work. But um, I'm learning to take time off, to spend quality time with my children. Because, like I said, I have an adult child now. I can't tell you where the last 18 years went. But I can tell you that I've got a ton of memories that I've made with her in those 18 years. And I'm learning to put the things that are important to God first in my life. Seeking balance in that way. Because as I seek to do the things that please God, he will make a way in all the areas that I'm so concerned and worried about. So, I encourage you to do the same. Back to what we've always said. Seek the divine rule of God in every part of your life and let him add all things to you. So we've come to the end of another episode and I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. This was one that kind of hit home. Everything I've talked about in this episode hits home. And to be honest, I never really expected, um, you know, when we when I go through pre-production for, for the shows, um, for each episode, I'm... I just, you know, I go with what I'm led to go with that week. I didn't talk about what I was talking about in Faith in the Hustle, thinking about how it tied in with what we were going to talk about during the Daily Perspective. It just happened that they were related I didn't see the parallels I didn't see the relationship till you know I got into the show and got talking but that's the way God works I've you know I always find humor in that that God will shock you with how he lays things up and sets things up for you and it's encouragement for me to keep trusting and to keep having faith and allowing my endurance to build so that I can see the success of God in the things that um, I'm doing. So if anyone is out there struggling with a decision in terms of direction and where they should go, whether it's in business or in their personal life, Remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you feel God is pushing you in a certain direction, go. Go as he leads. Because the fruits of that obedience will far exceed any sacrifice that you can offer to God. Um, And when you do, or in your career, in your life, work, Put God first. Be obedient. It's not just in direction that we we are called to be obedient. Um, we're called to be obedient in how we conduct ourselves. 
And part of that is understanding our responsibilities as husbands and as fathers and going against what the secular world tells us we should do. We need to realize that God has a calling for us. And part and our first ministry as Christian men is within our homes. Our first ministry as any type of man is within your home minister to your wives minister to your children minister to your family and prepare them and you can only do this by being present so learn to be present in your home anyway with that said i'm out and i'll catch you next week have a good one thank you for listening to this week's episode of the imperfectly human podcast remember to subscribe and share this podcast You can do this on your favorite streaming platforms.